9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. It's New Year's Eve, and that means it's the last 9ES of the year. We're glad you're sharing your New Year's Eve with you. I don't care if you're listening to it on January 1st or 2nd or uh, even later on this year. It's New Year's Eve in my mind, which means it's New Year's Eve in your ears. This is our kind of annual year in review episode. Uh, We talk about some of the best movies of 2020, the best music of 2020, the best TV of 2020, obviously in our opinions. And then we look ahead to 2021. There's a little bit of COVID talk the top we talk a little bit about wonder woman 84 which none of us have actually seen uh basically it's the 90s you know and love just a quick note we did take this week off from uh garbage time so if you're a patron subscriber uh there is no episode of garbage time uh but we do have an exciting announcement that we have re uh adjusted our uh patreon portfolio so there's just two levels you can donate a dollar a month if you want to support us or you can donate three dollars a month if you want to get access to garbage time access to uh the mailbag to ask us questions and and early access to the podcast that's all for three dollars a month so if you do want to support us go to patreon.com slash nine to five cc we'd really uh, appreciate it and uh, enjoy the show and happy new year everybody Here we go. In the timeline of the podcast world, this is New Year's Eve. This episode comes out on New Year's Eve. And I guess to start things off, if you are listening to this actually on New Year's Eve, thank you for choosing 90S as a way to send 2020 into the dumpster fire that it was. Thank you from us to you. How's everybody doing? (laughs) I'm doing fine. Yeah, it's been uh, cottage time for a couple of days. It's been very nice. That's a nice. Yeah. I guess, uh, was, had the entire world gone back into, had we, the second shutdown already been announced when we re- last released an episode, or are they kind of still, like, dancing around it? You know, I actually, I haven't heard the news if there was a very serious shutdown announcement in the last couple of days. We've been a little disconnected. Well, I mean, there was the one that they, they announced about a week or two, about a week before Christmas, I think. So yeah, this might be right before the episode had actually come out. They announced a week right. or two before Montreal, actually Quebec in general, is all non-essential services are closed until January 11th. So that's a thing that is we're currently in the middle of. And then it, it started on the December 25th. So for some reason, we thought that, or the Quebec government thought that two weeks was fine. Like the Ontario government kind of did the same deal, but they did 24th or December 24th till January 23rd. Like a month seems like a more normal amount of time than just two weeks. But right now we're in two weeks. And I feel that I'd like, it's just going to get extended probably. My, my understanding is that there were tw- 2,600 infections today or yesterday or something. And so our numbers are still at a peak. Yeah. It was over the course of the holidays, since they were like combined numbers, uh, over the course of the holidays, it was like 6,500 cases in Quebec, Right. like over the course of the three days, which was, yeah, yeah. well over 2,000 cases a day. So, and that's, if the numbers don't change, it's a, uh, I think they put mid-February as to where a lot of hospitals are expected to like run into beds. So that's fun. Super fun. Is that, is that happening, Scott? Are you running out of beds? Children's beds are being taken over by adults now at, at, at the children's hospital. 
That's great. That sounds great. It doesn't, because just think about how bad it is. You're just all uncomfortable. Like you're six foot tall and you're in this little kid's bed and you're like, "Eh, I have COVID and I'm in a tiny bed. (laughs) That's not how it works, Keith. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, like, I have this terrible disease and I'm in a race car bed that's too small for me. Maybe there's like dragon stickers on it. Exactly. That sounds kind of fun. Uh, some levity to a very serious situation. I made Scott laugh, so it's okay. It's so stupid. I have to laugh. It's very, very fun. I may be wrong about the numbers, but my understanding is that we are 500 deaths away from one out of a thousand Quebecers having died from COVID. I read this. We have eight that just over eight thousand deaths, and there is eight and a half million people in uh, Quebec. Mm-hmm. And America is everybody was making fun of them, but America is at essentially that threshold as well. They had three hundred and fifty thousand deaths. They have three hundred and fifty million people. Yeah, yeah, we did it. We're, so we're, good we're like no superiority over their manhandling of this nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think, yeah, uh, I was talking about this with Ronan just to, to, I guess, kind of cap cap this off. I don't think we yeah. need to spend a whole bunch of time talking about COVID, but I was just sort of like, well, we, overall, hour, we do, but we have a lot of more fun things to talk about so. than this. Than this, than this. Uh, but yeah, like the, the whole entire, and like in general, like a, a statement about 2020 and I guess the pandemic overall, like, I liked, I, I went into 2020 believing that like a lot of what was like wrong with the world were like, was like the powers that be <laughs> like, you know, like, like governments and uh, just like corporations and all that stuff. And I, and I still believe that, but now I also realize that like society at large is are, are equally to blame. Cause like the government didn't have to, or shouldn't have had to tell people how to behave like reasonable people in the situation. And the pandemic would not have been as bad. Like, you know, like we looked at the government for guidance, but I, already had kind of you know lost a bunch of faith in them but you're like people could have just been like oh hey i understand that this is an infectious disease i'll just do safe things and try not to infect people and just so many people didn't do those things that i like i lost faith in like humanity whereas i used to just have a lack of faith in like the that's, people in charge that's of humanity. crazy man people we didn't know how serious this was going to be people did not you know and a lot of people don't have the choice People are stuck having to go to work and are in circumstances in their lives where avoiding oh. it is just not reasonable. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm talking about parts of the world, particularly in parts of Quebec and parts of America, where people are just like, like the Thanksgiving thing, where one in three Canadians were like, I'm still traveling for Thanksgiving. Kid, what are you talking about? Like, you know what I mean? Those are that's large numbers of people in both North America and all throughout all of North America. Right, but the, the, it was spreading like I have to, I have, outside of that, dude. It was spreading from people going back to school. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm like I said, I'm not. I'm not saying that this is exclusively like that. Like every person who got COVID brought it amongst themselves. Not by no means. A million people work in essential services. A million people work in frontline industries. That's all I understand. But just like the a lot of those polls and a lot of those perceptions of the people who are like, I understand this is a serious deal, and I just don't give a shit. That that part, I was like, meh. I mean, it starts at TikTok videos of people licking toilet seats and every can <laughs> in the supermarket. And uh, it ends with um, Black Friday shopping 
wrestling matches at every Walmart. Like, yeah, there's a lot of people doing what they should, but there's a lot of people doing nothing of the sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it did rip through schools, but those kids who got it and brought it into schools got it from their parents who went to Walmart, who wrestled over a pair of jeans, who hung out at Tim Hortons because they could and fucking traveled Licked for things. toilet seats at a Tim Hortons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just look at like the, the 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 as we discussed in an earlier episode this year, the Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup Parade. <laughs> Jeez, like like nobody forced those people to go to that event. It was there's like that is not anybody's job, and like a hundred thousand people just decided to go and watch a parade. You know, like like that they had the parade it was like yeah, that's a billionaire company. Screw those people for having a parade in general. But nobody forces you to go to a parade. It's a free event, <laughs> and people were like. Yes, please. I would like to go to this parade to celebrate the winning of the Stanley Cup. C- cool. Like if the Habs won the Stanley Cup, I'd be very excited. I'd be like super happy. I'd run laps around my house. If they were like, we're doing a parade down St. Catherine, I'll be like, that's dumb. I'm not going to that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. anyway, 2020, you guys. Speaking of the Habs, do you see who they signed today? No. Corey fucking Perry. Corey Perry. I did Corey Perry. Well, like I got on a small like one million dollar on the uh seven fifty. Seven fifty, yeah. The uh the the uh semen? Was it semen? Like the the the, the semen contract. They're like, let's try this guy out. Yep. And then or also Radulov. Radulov, his first contract was also one point one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially this year because there's the taxi squad, right? The so, taxi uh, squad. What is Explain. that? So they don't want you calling people up from the AHL and bringing, you know, the 35 people in the juniors that you've been in contact with into the major leagues. So mm-hmm. NHL has allowed teams to carry a taxi squad that will practice with the team um, that is in the team's bubble that you can call on in case of injuries. Mm-hmm. So it- yeah. So to, pre- to prevent a little less, uh, like, le- like to diminish the amount of like, team fluctuation and a guy getting sent up, pulled down, sent up, pulled down as often happens with a guy moving in and out of the minors. So makes sense. So the team has a taxi squad and it's not a terrible idea to take a veteran who has an MVP and a scoring title in, and a Stanley cup. Yeah. Resume. I take it. Who played on the team that went to the Stanley cup finals last year. Mm -hmm. Who Everyone else in the league hates. I mean, the Montreal Canadians are a hateable team. So, so Corey Perry's a hateable Are guy. They? What did they do? Nah. <laughs> much in the sixties and fifties. Yeah. There's like a lot of teams do not like the Montreal Canadians in general. Like just, I think there's like a, a notion that they they have like a bit of a support superiority issue. There, there's a lot of like jerk puck players on the Habs where they're not necessarily like a, a rough and tumble team, but you'll get hit in the ankles a lot by huh. them and stuff and whatever else. So Don't like, you just not feel a kind dirt. of sad for them not taking the cup home in twenty seven years? When is a yeah? But that, there's teams yeah. that haven't even won Stanley Cups, so you know. Okay. Yeah, but those are like hobo teams. Montreal is one of the originals. Yeah, so is so is Toronto. <laughs> and Toronto. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, it's eventually eventually Toronto is going to win the Stanley Cup, and it's going to be the worst. 
Like that's just the like they're a very good team. And I know that we keep saying that, and we've been saying that for like the last like five or six years as they've been turning themselves into a better and better team. And they've been finding like new and exciting ways to flame out in the postseason again and again. But eventually it will be their time. They're an extremely talented team that will eventually win a Stanley Cup. And it'll be the worst. It'll be the worst thing in the world. For not just like Montreal fans, I think for all of hockey fans, like they're gonna be absolutely insufferable. Like yeah, I'm trying to think of an equivalent. Like an an insufferable sports like a sports team that would be like the worst sore winners? No, like an insufferable fandom that would be the worst sore winners. If hang on, hang on. I can get like I um my my brain is coming around to Zack this. Snyder's Justice League is like a rating smash. All of those Zack Snyder fanboys being like, see He's a genius. Yeah, exactly. Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder's Justice League comes out to like a hundred percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> and people are like redefines the superhero genre in every possible way for the better. Like there will be before this movie and after this movie, and it wins an Oscar. And was it a shot-for-shot shot remake of the original one? <laughs> no, 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 no. It is. It's just something know, new. And then the Zack Snyder fanboys just are just like, see. <laughs> And you're like, oh no, this is terrible. I hear this. <laughs> exactly. You've diminished my enjoyment of other movies because of this. Uh, speaking of which, I'm almost up to date, eh? Like I have, uh, I just have the OG Justice League to watch and I will have watched all of the, oh no, and Wonder Woman 84, I guess, because that just came out like two days did ago. It? Did it come out on a thing? I guess it was on HBO. Uh, HBO yeah, it's program. on HBO Max, but I guess that's also kind of like uh, pop culture news to mention that apparently every single Warner Brothers release in 2021 is going to come out on HBO Max, like at the same time. Yeah. Like they were like, we don't know what theaters are going to be like. We don't want to cause any problems. We want to obviously drive up our subscription based service. <laughs> like, I think the only exception I heard is Dune. Apparently they still want to go all in on Dune. And I think they want it to come out late in the year and they're hoping that it'll be a like, theater smash. A, yeah. yeah a theater smash. So they want that big Dune money. But yeah, so I'm almost up to date with the DC EU stuff. The reviews for Wonder Woman are not good. eh? Really? I've heard. What do they say? Uh, she brain controls her boyfriend and then, then just has sex with him or something. It's apparently a really weird plot. Okay. What's that, Scott? Steve Trevor possesses someone else's body to come back from the dead. Yeah. And he's but, she's like, okay, let's have sex with, with you now. And like, there's, there's some, that's someone's body that's kind of not okay. Are, are they conscious in the body or are they... Like, imagine you're in there, like, sort of aware of what's going on. Like, internally screaming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they play that for laughs. And then there's, like, a really dark attempted rape scene. In, in that was the, not that? that? That was not that, no. Uh, the Kristen Wiig character gets almost raped. And Wonder Woman... Um, comes down and, and beats up the rapist, and you're like, yay! And then Kristen Wiig becomes Cheetah and hunts down the would-be rapist and beats him up, and you're supposed to be like, no, now, boo. Boo, now. That's not that's not okay. Wait, what? You're, we're supposed to boo Cheetah beating up her would-be rapist? Yep. Okay. I was like, oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, look at this villainous woman. 
Ugh. Yeah, don't yeah. use superpowers on normal human beings. That's evil. Unless you're Wonder Woman, then it's good. Then it's good. And hey, is there a guy inside of Steve's brain who's not Steve? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, that sounds like a weird mess. So I guess par for the course for the DCEU. <laughs> what did you think of the shocking climax of um, Batman v Superman? How did that How did that work out for you? The Martha The Martha thing. The um, I mean, it was all insanity, dude. I, well, I think we talked about it briefly on the on the show that I did watch the Ultimate Edition, which had, was explained a lot more. In terms of oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 like the Superman, like they, there was a lot more of the political stuff with Superman than the theatrical had, which right. I think was probably for the best. But then it just degenerates into yeah, like a Doomsday Giant punch fest, and uh, Lex like just becomes like an idiot. And then Lex is like, "Hey, Superman, please kill Batman." Why? Reasons. As Lex Luthor, I think he should die. Yeah, like, <laughs> like for, for no reason. And then Batman, Superman's like, no, but I have mom. And then I said her name and her name is also Martha. And then nonsense happens. And then Doomsday just, I guess, shows up or whatever. Good times. Good times. Yeah, it really, that that, honestly, I will say the ultimate edition, the first two acts of the ultimate, whatever cut were pretty good. And then the third act was just a complete and total, Everything falls apart. Character motivations stop making any sense. And uh, then they're just punching Doomsday for a while. I will say that the re- film release order is very strange because I watched uh, Wonder Woman before uh, Justice League, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was really cool because, I mean, chronologically, it did happen before. But there's like the Wonder Woman theme song that I can't really remember, but it's like she has her own little theme music and it like it triggers like there's like a needle drop for the Wonder Woman song triggers in the Batman v Superman um, uh, movie. But I'm like, she doesn't show up. No, she does. She shows up. Yeah, 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 but that's it. But like her theme music plays. But I was like, but it's not her theme music yet because her movie only came out after. Well, you know, that's her introduction, you know, you, you, you get the association right there. Yeah. But I mean, but it, it, it was, it was cool to watch it in the reverse order because she like, she's already seen her being a badass and that music, like, it's like before she throws a punch, you hear her, like her, her music plays. And then right. you're like, oh shit, it's badass time because I saw her fight everybody in, in world war two and then or world war one where that movie also same, same deal. First two thirds of it were fine final third of it was pretty much disastrous. Like right. there was a total, a total lesson where it could have been like, there isn't actually a God of war and things are more complicated than that, Diana. And this is like some serious, but Oh no, there is a God of war. Here he is. And he's got a mustache. <laughs> like, like the movie even seems to be building to that, <laughs> you know, where you're like the real, like the real terror is like humanity's like hatred for one another and then all that stuff. And like, this nope. is not just a, a single enemy that you could punch in the mouth. Gonna punch oh, no, it, is. <laughs> it is a single enemy that you could punch in the mouth. Yep. Uh, yeah. Stupid movies. Uh, do we want to do movies first? Movies of 2020? Sure. All right. I want to, I want to say Scott's best movie for 2020 first, because I hope it's Groundhog Day. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the best movie you saw in 2020? Cause you I'm... saw Groundhog Day for the first time. What the hell Scott? Wait, what? Yeah, I'd never seen Groundhog Day before Christmas. Wild. Yeah. Like, what? 
we're watching it now. Like, um, I have a weird time separating Groundhog Day from the Groundhog Day trope. Well, that's because in other movies, you're like, this is a lot like Russian Doll. <laughs> this is like Happy Death Day, but funny, huh? <laughs> <laughs> How did it compare? I'm, I'm honestly agog a, a that this this happened. I feel like it was part of the culmination of um, latter day comedy. Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah. Like there's there's Caddyshack and there's there's Meatballs and Stripes and that's like his. I'm I'm stretching my legs after Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And he does Ghostbusters and is like, oh wait, I'm gonna be the biggest comedy star for for a, a good, good while. Yeah. And he does yeah, the two Ghostbusters movies and Scrooged and I think Groundhog Day is his like I want to show some nuance in my characters and I want to start being weird. And that's the last of He's the still life. very Bill, though. I mean yeah, but you know he does play stuff up for. He does ham it up in Groundhog Day. Sure. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think you're, I think I agree with. I mean, he he does that very well. He is gifted at hamming it up. Yeah, but he he also plays like a sad sack with problems, which I think would then later be he would learn to play like better to still comedic dramatic effect. But I was like, you don't you don't get Life Aquatic without Groundhog Day. Broken think. flowers. Like, like, that's what yeah. it was. It was the turning point for him. It yeah, was, well, Broken Flowers was like all the way drama, but I'm saying, but he also started to find that like walk the line of like dramedy kind of that late era Bill Murray would do. And I think Groundhog Day definitely started like dramedy Bill Murray. Yep. Um, I liked it a lot. I don't know if I was enamored with it in the same way. I thought there was some like weird tonal shifts in there. I can see why Bill Murray and Harold Ramis fought for 20 years after making this movie because it did feel like they were fighting on screen. <laughs> I, feel that I, I like I kind of liked that a lot. I felt like there's there's like a tension from being in a scenario like that where part of you wants to have fun and embrace it and just like rock on out and the other part of it is like existential horror at being trapped in what is kind of a nightmare, you know, and then mm-hmm. ha- being able to put both of those elements into the film in a, in a meaningful and still comedic way, I think is part of the, the, like the masterpiece of it. It was good. I liked it. I'm not going to rag on it. I don't know that it was my favorite Bill Murray movie because I'd feel like he's, he's transitioning in the middle of the film. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, but that's not excellent. What is yeah, your favorite Bill Murray movie? Ghostbusters. Yeah, I was going to be like, come on now. I, w- I think it's Groundhog Day for me. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Should we rank Groundhog Day, or have you? Do you feel that we haven't? You haven't seen it uh, like enough? What, like you need to watch it three or four times. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying I haven't seen Groundhog Day in quite some time. Oh, well, we can wait. Yeah, we can wait. It's New Year's also. We got, we got yeah. lists. I was going to say also, yeah, the, but Groundhog Day, uh, I try, I did try to keep my list to stuff that came out in 2020, just because I, I know we said that we wouldn't, but I still attempted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, one of my favorite movies of the year was Palm Springs, which was also probably wouldn't exist uh, without Groundhog Day. 
which was uh, the film with your mother from How I Met Your Mother and the cop from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You know, wow. those people. <laughs> Andy Samberg and... Hang on. Who's the mother from How I Met Your Mother? Kristen... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Kristen Milioti? Milioti? Yeah, yeah. Kristen Milioti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, uh, Palm Springs, I think we must have talked about it at some point over the we course did. of the year, is, uh, yeah, Andy Samberg's character is stuck in a perpetual time loop, and uh, Kristen Palmioti's character uh, gets pulled in with him. And it does that same, same exact same thing that you enjoy from Groundhog Day, uh, which was the... Um, that that yeah you're having a lot of fun but then also you have like deep-seated existential dread and then kind of i guess it it takes a unique spin on it from the fact that even though they don't really explain the science of it uh like they don't really like get bogged down in the morass of like avengers endgame level of how coming up with their own time travel rules it's not magic like this is a, a solvable problem for the characters like it's not just like be a good person like like they think that that might be it they're like try being a good person and any summer is like i've tried i've tried i've made amends with every person i've ever wronged i've done all of this i've done all i've done it it doesn't help and then they're like they come at to it from like a weird like sciencey thing i thought it was probably in terms of movies that came out in 2020 the best like comedy that i can think of that came out in 2020 so palm spring and i think now um it's on amazon prime in canada so watchable in canada if you have that John, John. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm kind of wiffle waffling between two movies. I don't know that I'm really going to have one of them that's going to like t- take the lead. So I might just kind of give up and say them both. One was Black Klansman. Oh yeah, which was, was pr- pretty good. I think I was like a little weirded out by the the like tone that seemed to jump back and forwards between being a comedy, like a buddy comedy, and then also scathing commentary on the like intrinsic racism of America. It's yeah. like. Kind of, kind of like I, I didn't know what to do with the comedic moments, particularly like the ending high five sequence. Yeah, we did it. You know, it's just like it's like a little too jovial for for like you didn't do nothing. The KKK is still everywhere. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, but I mean, I think that, that that's it's I a bit think, of Spike Lee though. Like we're mixing those two things, right? Like that's what I'm saying. Is I was like, I think that that's as much a uh, like part part of it is that it is like a buddy comedy like film that then has a lot more going on in it like you know like and i think that that's maybe how he like lures you in is like yeah. maybe there's like a comfort zone of you're like oh yeah it's like a buddy cop thing and then you're like oh no yeah <laughs> like <laughs> racism is terrible but like it does kind of like you're like you know like adam driver and uh who's the the main guy uh there's, john david washington yeah yeah yeah, John David Adam, Washington. Adam Driver was Adam pretty Driver. wonderful. He, yeah, he exactly. did also, very, also, yep. Topher Grace. Yeah, as <laughs> as, as a young David, David Duke. Yeah. David Duke, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah he was Grace. great as David Duke. He was so funny. Awful. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Funny and awful and terrible. Okay, and then my uh, other my other good pick was The Color Out of Space, which I realized mm-hmm. was not wonderful, but it definitely was a Lovecraft adaptation, and it definitely had Nick Cage in it, and it definitely had some had some good good moments. <laughs> um, it, you know, you it, was, it wasn't amazing. 
you can't ask for something all your life and be mad when it happens. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it, it pretty much gave us everything we wanted to see. So yeah. I would agree. That was the, that was the only movie I saw in theaters in 2020. Really? I, saw, I didn't even see it in I theaters. The, yeah, I saw the color out of space at Cinemans Park uh, in February or whatever. Yeah. Yep. I me, liked it. me and Chris were actually going to go see it together. And then it was right when COVID was starting and we were like, eh, maybe we'll see how bad this COVID thing gets. Spoiler alert. Yep. It's 2021. <laughs> <laughs> it's still happening. Uh, Scott, uh, anything, any standouts for you? Yeah. I really liked the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yeah. Oh yeah. That movie you told us to watch that we didn't watch. Yep. That, that, movie. Movie, that movie was the bomb. I really liked that one a lot. Uh, the schlocky slasher meets Fargo was right up my alley. It was just what I needed in, in uh, the end of the fall. Mm-hmm. And I also really liked Enola Holmes. Oh yeah. I didn't, didn't get Millie to Millie Bobby Brown. Was it, it sell it to me? Eleven from Stranger Things plays the kid sister of Mycroft and Sherlock Holmes and has uh, an adventure where she solves mysteries and has to deal with her two overbearing brothers. Mm-hmm. If and you Superman like, is one of her brothers. Yeah. If you really liked um, the uh, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, this is tonally in the same vein for Sherlock stuff. I think I liked the first one. And then it, it was just like having a little too much fun with itself for the second one. The second one was in 3D. And if you watch it without 3D, it's better except for the scenes that are obviously filmed. Right. <laughs> always, whenever, whenever someone makes me think of 3D films, I always go back to Friday the 13th 3D. <laughs> but there's so many just sort of like, where do you want me to put this broom? Pointing the broom directly into camera. <laughs> like, so many stuff like that. It's just sort of like, look over there. Long, long hold on the guy's finger pointing directly into camera. Yeah. Oh man, it was like that too. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to Watch Wolf of, of Snow Hollow. That movie was. I do. I, I really. Uh, I meant to watch it, and then uh, it got bumped out of my existence. But yeah, I also wanted to give a shout out to the Fantasia Film Festival, and I really enjoyed a Canadian film Come True by Anthony Scott Burns hmm. about uh, a girl who is kind of like navigating her own. Uh, like psychoses and dreamscape and stuff. Um, yeah, like a small, small Canadian like thriller with a super cool like deep synth, uh, like synthwave soundtrack throughout, with like some sort of cool visuals. Not nothing like nothing gonna blow your mind going on in this movie, but just like a well executed small film with kind of like that retro futurism uh, look of that show that we always forget the name of the miniseries from Netflix. Drive? Not psycho. No, crazy. The the one with uh, Emma Stone and Jonah Maniac. Hill. Maniac. Maniac. Wonderful. Maniac. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. It, it, like a lot of this movie come true channels Maniac, like in terms cool. of like the, the tech and the kind of like neuroses of the characters. Or <laughs> they're in similar mm-hmm. veins. Uh, and yeah, I, I'd give that. I'd give it a thumbs up and check it out. And right. I guess also that was another thing that I wanted to point out. I guess Fantasia Festival happened, which was nice. <laughs> Yeah, that was cool that they managed to put together uh, an online uh, version of the festival. And I guess we're probably going to see 
more of that because I, I can't even imagine like i guess again we talked about it at the top of the show the like hbo thing with warner brothers movies i was like even if fantasia fest like even if it's out if there isn't like a even if it's okay to kind of get together are you still going to want to have like a big online portion of your festival because like i can't imagine that a everybody's going to be comfortable going back to theaters it's, even when they say it's, it's hard okay. to know how all of like the, the vaccine rollout is going to go you know like is everybody going to get it it's all going to be orderly it's going to be six months from now everybody's going to feel safe or is it going to be half of the people saying they're never going to get it and then people still getting sick and uh you know it's two different yeah, ways exactly. to go yeah and but, but at the same time like i said how many people are going to necessarily like even if they get the vaccine are you going to still want to be in big groups of people, you know, or are you like, Oh shit, there's a mutation or something that we don't know about or whatever. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of like big crowd anxiety, even if like, like I was talking about this, uh, this summer when we were getting it up in parks, I was talking about it with my buddy, Eric, he was just sort of like, he's like, I am never going into a mosh pit ever again. Ever. (laughs) He's like sweaty strangers just smacking into me is just a notion that I like could no longer get my head around. (laughs) That's the thing. He's like, nope, never again. He's like, he's like, I'm excited to go back to Oshiaga and stay very far away from the crowd and just kind of like watch everything back. George Carlin once said that was the only thing our generation ever invented. Moshing? Yeah, that's right, the mosh pit. Everything else was just a refresh. I guess so. Man, we were watching um we were watching footage of the Kinks. Okay. Uh like the the band The Kinks and um the, the i don't know how is it girl you really got me going i don't know is that the whole song that's how the song goes but i don't know if that's the title you really got me you really got me there you go like watch early footage of them like that song gets like into like like there's like a, a pretty like solid like guitar shred going on in there and it's like it's pretty rock heavy but if you watch early footage of it you just see people kind of like sitting in their chairs just like waving their hands up and down like they have no idea how to react to the kinks playing you really got me in like 1960 whatever people just had no clue i was like what is happening just like literally teenagers just sitting in their chairs just waving their hands frantically (laughs) in the air and like that's how they respond to like the kinks like ultimately like putting out one like a pro almost a proto-punk song very funny to watch and i guess that is a good segue to music best music of 2020 crickets anyone cricket jesus okay so the best album i listened to wasn't a very good album i just uh, i feel bad even saying it it's cardi b no uh el2 by buster rhymes it was all right Whoa. it was all right it just wasn't the best record i listened to this year wasn't even the best rap record no i i man i downloaded um key to the cuffs by jj doom uh, mm-hmm. doom record Man, that album is good. That one has been on, on massive repeat. And Extinction Level Event is was like one of Busta's big breakthrough mm-hmm. records. And this one is better than a lot of his later stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I would say it's like the like he had the the track with Anderson Pack, I remember, is really good. You you was great, yeah. Yeah uh there's and there's another track too the the track that chris rock does the intro for is also like a solid track it's like one of the first tracks i think on the album leader of the new ship yeah uh i like the one that he does um with q-tip don't go also good yeah yeah it's a it's a solid record just if i had been listening to more music i don't think it would make my top five Hmm. but i hadn't listened to a lot of music and that's 
that. I've been listening to a lot of like podcasts to get to and from work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that new or that old MF Doom records. I was like, man, I'm a big fan of his and I haven't listened to all of his stuff. So I should go track some of it down. Yeah, for me, the the three albums that I apparently listen to the most, I'm giving one of them because it came out in December 2019. It gets to be on 2020 because I only heard it in 2020. was uh, Bubba by Keitronata, which is a very, very good record. Uh, RTJ4, obviously, was super exciting and like ultimately incredibly timely. <laughs> like, like if you're going to have uh, a record about like inequality and race divide in a election year and it's 2020 and all that stuff like people were just sort of like it doesn't sound so different from the stuff they were doing on like one two three uh but it's like it certainly is more i think socially aware so like even for them they kind of kicked it up and then it like they were like a lot of these songs were kind of being written like about the stuff that all kind of exploded into in 2020 they were like so it just sort of inadvertently ended up kind of having that like soundtrack to the politics and like riots of the year kind of thing. Uh, and new abnormal by the strokes was a, was a surprisingly good rock record. Like not surprisingly good. Cause I guess it's, it's like one of those things where you're like, Oh yeah, the strokes are a really good band when they kind of want to be <laughs> like, you're, that's, when, <laughs> like, yeah, new abnormal was also like very, very good. Oh, and, uh, oh my God. Um, the song machine by the gorillas that this is also in, leading into my my favorite i guess live streams of the years was mm-hmm. song machine by the gorillas which is hard to say that it was necessarily an album because they've been releasing like one or two songs every month all year and each song has had a music video with it but then they kind of bundled it all together toward the end of the year and called it like song machine volume one but they were it was like re- not like obviously it was released as an album to purchase but it was never released like the intention wasn't like the album is here. It was just like songs were just coming out with these music videos and you could buy them on iTunes as singles. And then when there was enough to make an album, they just said volume one. And apparently, and now there's new stuff coming out in song machine also, which I think is kind of a response to just like music. They're like, why are, what are even albums for? Like you need to wait till you have 12 songs to release them. Like, (laughs) does that have to happen? Or if a song is done, you can just release it and just, ship it out which i think is kind of interesting i don't think every band gets the that <laughs> like, gets the ability to do that yeah, i've been thinking like- about it real hard the only album from 2020 that i actually listened to was the new tool album which was not great oh no yeah also a good live stream and a good album was future islands uh as long as you are uh, I got to Sarah for, over the holidays she loves it and they did uh, a live stream that we was like it was like I would say a highlight of 2020 for us because <laughs> uh, Future Islands is one of Sarah's favorite bands. I really enjoy them in general also. And uh, they were only doing one live stream all year long and we happened to be up at the cottage that weekend. Mm-hmm. And we uh, decided to um, like tether from our phones onto the laptop and bring a speaker. And we like drove uh, the car that we had rented into a parking lot in the tiny little town where we had signal and then like folded the seats down so we could like sit in the back and like underneath <laughs> the blanket cute. with like underneath yeah. the blanket with like snacks and stuff, watch this live stream in the back of a car in like a parking lot in a village uh, up north, which was like a super cute like way to watch the live stream. And it was a really good performance also. So that was also one of my, those were two, those were two of my top live streams, I guess. Well, live streams, whatever they call those. Uh, it wasn't total crap. 
Whoa, Total Total Crap was up there. I know it was it great. Was a lot of fun. Uh, the other stuff I wanted, oh, another uh, live stream kind of act that I wanted to give a shout out was Sophie Tucker because they're still at it. They're doing a thirty-minute DJ set every single day since this started. That's crazy. Like, yeah, they have not missed a day. <laughs> like they were like, let's start doing it as like something to like band around, and everybody needs like a party and whatever. So they're like, we're gonna start doing this, and they started it in March, and they were like, we are not stopping. <laughs> like. Because uh, like I was like I remember when when this all started a lot a lot of people uh, especially DJs because it's super easy to just like plug yourself into some streaming equipment and go if you're a DJ right you'd like it's you don't necessarily need to worry about like miking up a drum kit or whatever and like how a lot of like technical issues you don't need a, a whole entire band together if you're not supposed to be like isolated and stuff or if you're supposed to be isolated so a lot of DJs started and a lot of DJs like it petered off man <laughs> like cause people were like these regular streams are not really getting me paid and I'm just putting out all of these shows and all that stuff. Like I don't blame them. Like it's going to wear and tear on all of you and you're sitting there trying to be positive, but Sophie Tucker, I want to hats off to them for every single day of all of this and counting (laughs) doing a 30 minute live stream every day. It's all good shit. Uh, Yeah. It's a round off the other, I guess, live concerts we saw. Uh, the Brothers Maklovich did a live set, which was really fun. Uh, Montreal Boys, A-Track, and Dave One from Chromio. Uh, finally in 2020, I think in part due to them, I think they isolated together, if I'm not mistaken, was part of the deal because they were trying to get together as a duo in general. But for the, This is their first official project together ever. Like they've remixed each other's shit every now and then. But this is the first time that the older brother from Chromio, Dave One, and the younger brother, A-Track, from Montreal's own, Brothers Maklovich, formed a duo in 2020 and they, they played a couple of shows that were a lot of fun and uh, local natives did a live stream. That was a lot of fun. And Sylvan Esso did like a series of three live streams to go with their album. That was also a lot of fun. So concerts are a thing you watch in your living room now <laughs> and total crap did a live stream too. Sure did. <laughs> and we saw terrible things. Uh, what else do we have? I guess we should talk about some television. Yeah. Yeah. There's some weird stuff that came out on TV this year. Remember Tiger King? Tiger King. (laughs) It started all of this. And still, the twist ending to 2020 that we're all hoping for is a pardon for for Joe Exotic. Yeah. (laughs) If we're going to throw out all of the pardons, at least give us one to laugh about. Uh, Do you remember some good news with John Krasinski? Everyone was talking about that for a solid month and then he sold it to Viacom and said, see, it's still good and no one cared anymore. What? John Krasinski's YouTube show, Some Good News. Mm-hmm. The SGN Network. Mm. Kind of talk about nice stuff and make you feel good. Huh. He's like, yeah, now the pandemic is over in June. And he sold the show that he built on the goodwill on YouTube to Viacom. And then the second wave hit. And everyone was just like, I don't fucking care about you. You fucking sell out. Yeah. Watch this anymore. Is he going to go make a quiet place three? <clears throat> Jack Ryan, I think. Uh, get- right. Right. It was also the second half of the Bojack series finale this year came out. Really? Came out late. Yeah, that was like January, February. Oh, maybe I just watched it and, and didn't. And it's like disappeared and forgot about it. And didn't register yeah. it. Yeah, it didn't register. 
Hmm. Do you remember him confronting uh, his own mortality and talking with all of the people who died around him in a, as he like drowned in a pool? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was pretty great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, sliding off a TV, you go into pro wrestling. Cause then you get 2020's own stadium stampede match. Best, best match of 2020 by a mile. <laughs> I mean, the only match that could, the only year it could be the best match. Like work with a crowd in the stadium, that would have been super strange. Yeah, to complete insanity. I, I would say twenty twenty for like television uh, and pro wrestling. AEW like knocked it out of the park, and mm-hmm. WWE floundered and continued to flounder terribly. <laughs> like, holy crap! Like the uh, what's his name? Brian Alvarez was talking about it. He's like twenty twenty is the year that we got to see a side by side comparison of the greatest roster ever assembled in pro wrestling and competent storytelling. And apparently competent storytelling wins like every, like, every week it's, it's better to tune in and watch AEW to watch like, yeah, there's some top talent on AEW for sure. But most of the roster doesn't touch overall the wrestling talent that's sitting on WWE, but it's a better, better watch every time. So to give, to put some of that into stark perspective, WWE pulled uh, like last week or whatever, which is like holidays is like a very bad time for them, but they pulled a 1.5 million viewers, which is like one of their all time lows. Mm-hmm. And AEW put winter is coming as kind of like this, like almost like a pay-per-view event, but like Trump put it on their weekly show. So it is like, it's comparing the best AEW show against the worst WWE show, but they pulled almost a million viewers. And like, if you had told me at the beginning of 2020 that AEW would even like start to sniff Monday Night Raw numbers, like I would have been like, "That's crazy." Even as a fan of the product, but you like, guys have been complaining essentially nonstop about WWE for a long time, constantly play. making fun of it, saying that they're fucking it up, bad matches, bad plays, bad stories. So it's not surprising. And you guys are like the fans. Yeah, exactly. I, I literally I I watched WrestleMania this year. I, I didn't watch any. WWE uh, until WrestleMania. And then it was like, we did, it was a two night event thing that they did and people got together to live stream it. So I was like, okay, I'll do the live stream and watch WrestleMania. There was some stuff that was all right at WrestleMania. And then I basically tuned out and now I have, I haven't watched any of it. Cause it just, it, every time I hear anybody talking about it, it just looks like total crap. Like it's just nonsense town versus a AEW's putting together stuff. That's funny and engaging and whatever. And I watch that every week instead. Hmm. And it's the best. And I only watch the B shows and I'm totally engaged with the company. <laughs> yeah, you watch AEW Dark. I watch Dark and Being the Elite, and that's my and and the highlights of Dynamite. Mm-hmm. And that's how yeah. I watch. I mean, John, think of it this way. Imagine like playing D D with like your your favorite D D players, but the dungeon master is someone who's just like awful just just awful and you're like man you're doing what you can to make it work but you know he gets snippy and he threatens to kill the characters all the time that that happened do you remember frank torres's live live action vampire game yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) do you remember we had a great time sort of sort of (laughs) yeah exactly that's that's what wwe is right now just like all of the the people you want to see wrestling are there just man, no one knows what they're doing. They no, there's no direction or nothing for anybody. Yeah, 
when you could go play in, you know, maybe like a smaller, you know, tabletop game that just clicks and everything works and it's awesome. Yeah, less there might be less stakes or whatever going on and might be a little bit more silliness, but yeah, it's just back to beer and pizza, which is ultimately, I think, what we did as roleplay people. It's exactly what we did as roleplay people. We gave up on <laughs> we, all that stuff and played d We D&D. gave up on all the big LARPs and, and like, with a bunch of people that we didn't care about playing with and then just started playing like smaller games with the people we did like. Yep. like yeah, that's AEW. AEW. And then every now and then they have a horse ride through <laughs> a stadium and the guy get 110 back to ba- belly-to-back suplexes in a row. Stadium Stampede match was match of the year, baby. There was an official review on the field. Yeah. Go under the little tent. Uh, this is bullshit call, ref. <laughs> uh, other television I really enjoyed, Boys Season 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you watch Season 2 of The Boys? Did not. Did not. Did. It was good. It was very, very good. Um, also, I didn't think I, I have not even talked about this on the show yet. Uh, Hulu original show. I don't know how you'd watch it in Canada. Uh, Dave uh, by David Bird, aka Little Dicky, internet rapping sensation. Don't know. Um, I do. You, you, you know? No idea, or you do? No, no idea. Wow, I thought Scott would have maybe known Little Dick, Little Dicky. He has a song called "My Dick Sucks." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's like, it's this, it, it, I think it might be an FX show maybe. Um, but yeah, it's this weird show about this guy. I mean, which is ultimately what actually happened to David Bird. Uh, it's like a fictionalized, I guess, retelling of his biography was he was like in his like late twenties or whatever. And was like, I think I'm really good at rapping. And he had like done some like YouTube videos and kind of like had it been like a YouTube breakout like a couple hundred thousand hits and stuff like that and views and all that. And he was like, okay, I think I'm actually good at rapping. I can be more than just a YouTube rapper. Uh, he like cashed out his bar mitzvah money and then like, <laughs> and then tried to like start recording some stuff. And then just sort of like, he's a bit of a comp, like even he as a real world rapper kind of toes the line between comedy rap and like actual rap kind of thing. And like the show deals a lot with that too. They're like, Oh, like you're like the lonely Island. He's like, well, I'm funny, but I think I'm also not just a joke, you know, and stuff. And yeah, and the show kind of like fictionalizes his sort of, I guess, like rise into kind of becoming uh, a rapper and deals with a bunch of really weird things like um, like sexuality and stuff. Like also has like there's like a lot of people gain, gained a lot of attention online for uh, episode five where like he has like his hype man, Gata who is just like this guy who kind of like latches onto him and is just like really, really into it. And it's like, he's sort of all over the place in the episode, like not just the episode, but the entire series. And then it like, it kind of comes out in episode five where he's like, yeah, man, I'm bipolar and my meds are off. Like, and everyone's like, what? (laughs) Like, and it's like, and like, it doesn't necessarily break. Like it kind of does that. You're the worst thing where it doesn't necessarily stop being funny when that comes out, but it doesn't also like, treat it as a joke like it treats it very seriously while still being funny like kind of like the the gretchen depression season you know like yeah where yeah it's like the jokes don't stop but now you're like there's this really kind of like big thing that's there and then it doesn't also just go away after 
that episode, you know, like you're like, now this is a thing I know about the character. And it also like retroactively explains a lot of his behavior in the past, like why sometimes he was really into what people were doing. And then sometimes he's just like, no, I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> you know, like Bojack hits that territory too. Like a lot of the, the yeah. comedy comes from the, the contrast of slapstick bullshit humor yeah. and very serious character stuff. Yeah. 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 Dave, Dave, I think was my looking at my list. I would say, Definitely new comedy show of the year. Like in terms of like, it was the only like new show that came out that was like in that 30 minute format that I really enjoyed. Uh, Queen's Gambit was real good. I'm sad you guys mm-hmm. haven't watched it. Like yep. Queen's Gambit yeah, yeah. a lot. Uh, and I also, at not a best show of 2020, because it turned out to be kind of meh. And I mean, it's now on thin ice as to whether or not I'll rewatch it if it comes back on a second season. Lovecraft Country. Really, mm-hmm. really wanted to enjoy it. And it was just kind of meh. Just did, you get, did you ever get around to it, Scott? I downloaded it, but we've been on like this supernatural steam train mm-hmm. that it's just almost, we're, we're halfway through season 14 now. We're, we're almost done. <laughs> that is a lot of supernatural. Holy shit. Yep. So at this point, it's just like, we just, we're just going to finish it. We're not going to put it aside. We're just going to muscle through. And yeah. A lot also, of I think the boys and um, what's the HBO one wolf raised by wolves. We haven't raised by wolves. Yeah, yeah. The Ridley Scott stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got catching up to do. Also. Uh, oh yeah. There was also that one episode of euphoria, which I think was probably the best single episode of television in 2020. What's that? <laughs> Uh, so Euphoria, I talked about it in 2019. It's a show about uh, a bunch of kids who do drugs and uh, get make a mess of their lives and stuff. And one of the characters oh, yeah. sort of deals with um, one of the characters is sort of like dealing with her issues with addiction kind of throughout. And like she had just re- like the show basically starts off with her kind of like getting out of rehab, essentially. And the fin- the season finale of season one has her just like. Uh, basically her girlfriend kind of like ditching her uh, at the train station and her just like having a full relapse. And then they were like, and then they put, they put out one episode on the holidays, uh, which was just this character, Rue played by Zendaya talking to like, she doesn't want to have a sponsor, but he also kind of knows the, like the Ali character knows that she probably needs a sponsor. Cause like she sort of like floats in and out of AA meetings and has big problems with the whole like accepting a higher power part of the AA steps because that's a weird step. Hmm. Uh, but he's like, I still want to get you clean. So the entire episode, it's like it's a one hour long episode that's just a conversation between these two actors and they just knock it out of the part. And it's about like family and addiction and like whether or not you want to be alive and whether or not you should want to be alive and is it even worth it? And like it's A plus, like it would be. Like, honestly, if they stretched it to an hour and a half, like, it would probably be, like, Oscar bait. Like, wow. it, yeah, it was, like, jaw-droppingly good at how, how well the, like, how well the characters, like, handle it or, like, the performers, like, handle it and just, like, the performances on just people talking and there's, like, so much nuance and just the performances are completely insane. Where do you get like, this show? Uh, it's on an HBO show. So however you get HBO, I guess on Crave, if you are in Canada. Uh, and I also wanted to give shout out to other HBO content like the BMO and uh, BMO 
and Obsidian, which are the two episodes that Adventure Time did this year of Distant Lands, which were delightful and just wonderful returns to Adventure Time and make me like I've loved that show and watching those two specials like like reminds me how much I love that show and how kind of like special that show is as a kid's show in terms of like the like weird life lessons and stuff that it teaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like just like it's just like like realistic shit. Not everything works out, which is not something you see in a lot of shows like characters who have complex relationships with one another, like especially Obsidian. Obsidian really gets into I mean, it's the only episode, obviously, of the entire show where Bubblegum and Marceline are, like, together as a couple, right? Because it takes place, like, after the show. Right. So you get to see that, like, and how, like, their couple kind of works. Is like, and, and then with, like, the weird spin of, like, if you're like, oh, first of all, obviously, yeah, it's a lesbian relationship in a kid's cartoon. But then you're like, oh, it's a lesbian relationship of immortal people who are both, like, thousands of years old. Yeah. Like, and that plays into their relationship, you know? And, like... Like they have, like they each have, like a millennia of baggage floating on, and that also is like a thing the show addresses, which uh, ties into my other honorable mention. Even though I didn't finish it, but I think you did, John. Was Midnight Gospel came out this year, and that was probably oh, like yeah. an absolute feat of strangeness. What a gem! It was so much fun, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like it, it's not something that you can blast through. You know, yeah. the episodes are kind of heavy. You kind of want to think about them. And the the last episode of it is like really legitimately sad. Yep. <laughs> yep. Did you watch Midnight Gospel at all, Scott? I have no idea even what it is. Oh, it's the going it's in blind is probably the best way to go. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just like sit down and watch it when you're like in a in a in a mood to take something a little bit more cranial. But also a little trippy. Like if you yeah. if you're like like it, it's it's like a think piece, but with like zany like psychedelic kind of animation going on with it. It's basically they like the method of how they made it was they recorded these interviews and then kind of cut these interviews into sort of narratives. Like they had like loose things that they were like, okay, talk about like X, Y, and Z hmm. as two people, and then like so they knew what the talking points were, but then they just sort of like improv the actual interview and then animated the discussion to add in like a further narrative and the animation is trippy as hell and it was uh like the brainchild if i'm not mistaken of pendleton ward also of adventure time yeah Uh, and yeah it's if you want to just you can absolutely just get stoned and watch it without necessarily having to like worry about like being too cranial (laughs) you're gonna be like whoa (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of the time but yeah midnight gospel was uh, a very weird and cool thing i don't know i hope are they gonna do a season two i would I hope, hope so i really hope so i thought it i thought it was definitely deserving of it and they the format kind of got better as the show went on i found myself more engaged as in the later episodes anything else uh you guys want to talk about uh, i did my spotify best of yeah and because i listened to that Disgraceland episode about Dennis Wilson. Mm-hmm. I ended up going to listen to some Dennis Wilson that week. Mm-hmm. So I listened to his album, I think maybe twice. Okay. One record. And then it popped up and it's like, you listen to a lot of Dennis Wilson. I was like, well, not, not really. It was like, you were in the top 3% of people who listened to Dennis Wilson. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's sad. <laughs> 
I saw when everyone when, when everyone was posting those things where they were like your top twenty and on Spotify, whatever. Someone posted. Uh, the, the, it was a okay. She's a public figure. She's a comedian in Montreal, Michelle Dominique, who is in the top one percent of people who listen to Queen. I was like, do you only listen to Queen? Like, holy wow. crap! Like you, like, Ruby like hit streaming this year. Like, right. yeah, that's it. Everybody's streaming. Like, and you're in the top 1% of people who listen to Queen. And she's like, yes, I only listen to Queen, like, exclusively. I'm like, why do you have Spotify? <laughs> I'm like, buy some Queen CDs. <laughs> exactly. Just just buy the, like, whatever, like, 10 albums or whatever that they have. And just, you don't need to worry about having an entire service. <laughs> like, there. You are one of Queen's biggest fans on the planet. That's really messed up. <laughs> um... Was there, did anyone do any like like a lot of people were doing the quarantine rewatching? Like everybody was rewatching. I realized I didn't go back into any shows. Like a lot of people were using. A there was a bit of a, a drought of new TV. Obviously, that came out especially towards the beginning as everybody was trying to figure out release and all that crap. And then I think also there was a, a lot of people were like, I want to go back to my like comfort zone. <laughs> Of... I rewatched a pretty big chunk of Star Trek: The Next Generation over the course of the year. Um, I think it was good fun. There, it's definitely campy stuff, but in terms of a show that isn't afraid to do episodes about ideas and and see what mm-hmm. happens, I think I I kind of like. There was a point where I was having so much fun with Star Wars as a younger man that I considered myself more of a Star Wars fan than a Star Trek fan. And mm-hmm. after the last few years of abuse at the hands of the Star Star Wars content creators, I now regret that decision immensely. And I think I'm much more of a Star Trek fan than I am a Star Wars fan. I don't know. Next, like I said, Next Generation was, I think we've talked about this probably a bunch of the podcast, was definitely yeah. watched it a lot as a kid. Like I remember, <clears throat> and I mean, I had a bunch of friends who were really into Star Trek too, like a bunch of like really nerdy friends. Like I remember yeah. for the yeah. for the Next Generation, the series finale. Looking at you, Jaime. Oh, no, before, but like this is like before you guys. These are like Jehovah's Witness games. Yeah. Like, uh, like I remember for the next generation season finale or series finale, I should say, they did like an entire like day long television event that like started at like two in the afternoon or whatever, mm. where they did like they did encounter at Farpoint. They did the, like a couple other episodes, like some of like the best of Star Trek episodes and whatever. And then like I might have done Generations and then had the final episode. Like it was like a big like TV event that I remember like getting together with like. Uh, this was what year? When did this come out? This is probably, I'm guessing... 92. The finale? 91 or 92. TNG finale. It was it that was... Like early? I thought it made it later. Oh, no, all, good, all Good Things was 94. Yeah. 94. Yeah, All Good Things was 94. So 94, I was 11. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, so yeah, 11 years old. And it was just like, it was like a whole big thing. And I'm like, if I'm not mistaken, like I just looked it up, man. <laughs> Like, I seem to recall it delivered too for a series, giant series finale. Yeah, like I I yeah. recall it being pretty pretty good, but also like I said, I just remember it being like this event that I was like with friends around for, and like we had, well, I like I didn't have, but like some of my friends had Star Trek uniforms and stuff that they were wearing. <laughs> I think it was like it was like probably one of my first like memories of having like a legit like geek event. You had to watch on. I didn't. Don't think I had the watch yet. <laughs> I think that came. I think I got that watch in high school. But yeah, that's it. It was like a geek 
thing where it's like, yeah, we're a bunch of nerdy kids and we're just going to do this like nerdy thing for like 12 hours straight and it's going to be the best. Like, we had that yeah. 2020 Picard and The Mandalorian both come out. That's true. Did, I haven't. Did you uh, enjoy only... Picard? It got ripped apart pretty hard by the Red Letter Media Boys. With good reason, but I enjoyed it. Okay. Because it was revisiting the next generation and not reimagining it and not bastardizing it. Just like, hey, yeah, this is about Picard and we're going to see some stuff about data. We're going to see some stuff about like what happened to Riker and Troy. And look, this stuff happened. You're like, oh, okay. cool. Let's go back and see it. It was comfortable. I don't think it was revolutionary, but they did stuff that made sense, right? So the, the plot is about Romulans and the Borg. So in a show about the Borg, they brought back Seven of Nine and they brought back Hugh. And you're like, oh, that's nice. They didn't just try to like reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. They used stuff that existed in the universe that would make sense for it to, you know, have an effect on this story they were telling. I didn't watch Picard, but one of the things that I heard about it that was good was they were like, it didn't take a shit on the stuff you were nostalgic for the way Star Wars did, <laughs> right? Where they were just saying like, one of the greatest crimes of the episode seven, eight, nine was ruining the like 20 or 30 years of happy ending you had in your head for like Luke, Leia and Han. Like you were like your entire life, these people had a happy ending. And then these movies came out and they were like, nope, that's, none of them are happy. The, that's not the worst thing about those movies. It, it, There's it, so it, many worse things. They're bad movies. But even if they were good movies, they still like, robbed like even if those movies were good they still robbed you of a thing that you held dear no matter what even if they were well executed that would have been fine for me they don't need to have happy endings no but it's but it's like but but a lot of people were like if you are gonna pull the rug out on those endings it should be for a purpose yeah and it really wasn't well (laughs) it was it was like to take your 15 dollars three times and give you nothing i guess yeah well, nothing for most people. For us, hours of podcasting content. <laughs> but you, then you go and watch The Mandalorian, and you're just like, oh, I, that someone does know how to write stories in the Star Wars universe that don't make you hate everything. Mm-hmm. The Mandalorian was good. Did you watch season two yet? Or? Yeah, finished it. It was good. Uh, I'm one or two episodes in. I enjoy it. It's, it's a, it, like, it plays like a really good... Uh, like Star Wars tabletop game. <laughs> Did you see the second episode with Bill Burr? Yes. That was delightful. He's the best. It's great. <laughs> I love that he comes back. It's yeah. like, it's the greatest. You still haven't watched Mando yet, eh, John John? Nope. 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 You really should. If you, can, if you could track it down. It's Yeah, it's well. never going to get off of Apple Disney Plus, and I'm not likely to pay for Disney Plus, so I, I kind of I can't, what I've heard is that it's fine. It's just more content, and it doesn't. It doesn't really. I don't know. I'm I'm not excited by Star Wars in in the least bit anymore. Here's here's what it is, John. The the tone of the first three, the original trilogy, is expertly captured in Mandalorian, and that is enough to make it fine watching as a fan of Star Wars. Huh. It 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 feels dusty. It doesn't feel 
slick and like late nineties George Lucas. It it feels kind of grimy and kind of like a shitty Western sci-fi right. series, but it just was made and it feels like original Star Wars because of it. I guess maybe at some point post pandemic I'll have to can come over and watch it at one of our houses, John. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's not a lot of it. It's like at least I hit a couple episodes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, right away, like if you're into it or not. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's like you watch the first episode and if it doesn't do it for you, it doesn't do it for you. But if you're just sort of like, Oh, this is nice. It's nice. Oh, Don, the, also the one thing I wanted to ask you about, it was uh, the good place series finale this year. Mm-hmm. How did that land? Um, it's, um, you know, the show was done. I think overall the show was, was too network TV to be truly amazing. It mm-hmm. definitely tried to do something more than just like a regular sitcom. You know, they had ideas in there. They wanted to talk about those ideas. and But they did it in such like a simplistic kind of manner. I, I found it was like a little tedious. And, you know, network TV, the, the show, the show cuts to commercial and then it comes back and they have to repeat the setup of what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. and then they have to at the start of every episode, they have to have five minutes where they explain what's going on for the new viewers. So like the show feels kind of repetitive and slow paced. But then Mm -hmm. at the same time, they fuck with the format, you know, from one season to the other, they're like, at first they're kind of in hell and then they're kind of not in hell. And then they're they're They go to heaven in one of the episodes and and major parts of the setup are 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 fucked with. Mm -hmm. In that sense, it's 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 fun. A lot of the humor is super, super low network comedy, just like fucking the gags are so simple. You know, it's it's tough. Some parts of it are great. Some parts of it are not. In the end, it felt like they were they they were definitely done with what they were going to do with the show, and so you're kind of happy that it ended. It ended on a super happy note for people, um, mm-hmm. and also not not just like raw happy, kind of like philosophically satisfying. You know, so there's a little bit of a little bit of sadness in there, too. But because the whole thing had the the, the gloss of network TV, you're like, eh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, if you if you like, I I would recommend giving it a shot if you haven't ever watched any of the episodes of it and you can get a couple chuckles out of it. Yeah. So I did the first two seasons. I never it never clicked for me. Like whenever I was watching it, I was like, eh, I was like, again, I. I think that what what you're saying as a critique of it was exactly the thing where I was like, I was like, this is not bad, but I was like, it has that, this is ABC at nine o'clock or whatever the hell it is. If, if you can find any of the characters charming, you know, that the charmingness Mm -hmm. of them is likely to remain throughout the show. And so that Mm -hmm. might be enough to keep you going. Like, and what's weird, you know, Nip found this one character stupid and not funny at all. And I was charmed by his comedy. You know, and then vice versa on another character. And I don't know that any of the characters are much more smartly written than the others. They're all, you know, basic stuff. But you might find something good in there. John, you got to give me what the characters were. I I need to know who you really liked and who Nip really liked. I don't know about really liked, but I liked Jason's comedy. I was I was into Jason's stupid shit. He fucking cracked me up every time he said some dumb gobbledygook. And and I loved it. Nip is like, that guy is the worst. Every time he opens his mouth, I hate him. But that's part of it, you know? <laughs> and who did Nip enjoy? Um, yeah. 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 Who's Cheedy? <laughs> He's the super uh, smart uh, philosopher, philosophy guy. Mm. With no, no self-worth at all. 
Yeah. Uh, the other one of the other pop culture things I wanted to at least shoot out before we wrap this up, because uh, it was like because we are around the corner from like the twenty twenty one Oscars, and I rem- was reminded when I was doing research for the show that uh, Parasite won one one Best Picture in twenty twenty. So I was like, where a lot of people oh, yeah. were like, are there hope for the Oscars? And then no movies came out. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, finally, the Oscars giving uh, Oscars are like looking to reward interesting movies. And then movies ended. And then movies stopped. So yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of wondering what what that's going to be. Um, yeah. Is that what? Does anyone else have anything anything kicking around, or do you want to maybe like look ahead to 2021, see if there's anything upcoming that you guys are interested in? Sports. Sports, sports. I miss sports. I mean, the Canadian, the Canadian hockey season league. That's going to be fun. Canadian, ho- Canadian hockey division. Yeah, starting yeah. up. They still haven't worked out how trades are going to work. They basically said two weeks of quarantine. Yeah, exactly. Which just promptly said that there can only be inter-Canadian trades. Yep. But then the Canadian GMs are really upset about that because they're like, wait a second, in the states, like twenty-one teams can trade or whatever the heck it is. No, twenty. Four. 24 teams can trade with each other in the States. And then if you're a Canadian team, only seven teams can trade. Because if you do okay, a trade in the... Doing, if it's for the whole season, couldn't they just do the two weeks of isolation and then cross the border? That's 10% of the fucking team of the season, though, dude. It's like a 56-game season and it's a compressed schedule. So if you miss right. eight games, that's a lot of games that you did not get that guy for. And remember, you need to send your guy away into America. So you just yeah. like lost a piece... And then you miss your new piece for eight game, potentially up to eight games, right? While he isolates, that's a pretty big like hole in your roster because you, your guy is gone, you know. Like yeah. the assets that you traded are gone, so yeah, they haven't really worked out if there's going to be any kind of exemption. But yeah, the last I heard, to Scott's point was like, no, we're not making a stupid exemption. This is sports. It's your the fact that you're allowed to play is already kind of an exemption. <laughs> like, yeah, BC can't get because BC hadn't agreed to allow the Canucks to play. Yeah, well, it was yeah, they I don't know, the last I heard was that all of the all of the teams were allowed to play in their buildings in their own buildings. That was the, I think that was a day or two ago, I think I read that. So hmm. <clears throat> obviously with no fans and all that stuff, but it was like but then there was a whole complicated <laughs> thing with like both Ontario and Quebec shutting down. They were like are the practice areas allowed to be open and used even though they're private and whatever so they're jumping through all these hoops and paperwork there which i mean like the one the one argument and people are like oh they're getting special treatment because they're sports and all that stuff but then i like read a kind of like compelling counter argument as they were like well the difference is is that these sports companies and whatever are paying for all of their own testing so they're not actually putting a strain on the medical service like with the all the extra testing it's like people are getting tested multiple times and all that and they're like, and that's not like, it's not the publicly funded medical staff that has to test all these athletes or whatever. This is just medical, like, this is just billion dollar companies testing their people in and out. So right. it's not Walmart telling their employees to go to the hospital, get tested. It's it, Canadians doing their own tests, lab techs and, and medical staff. Yeah, exactly. So it's not putting a strain on the system. They're just, they're, they're just paying for you know better stuff because they're rich because <laughs> that's what happens like they were saying like the, the 
like UFC, right? Like UFC has been happening all throughout all of 2020. There's been a couple fights that have been canceled because COVID showed up in a, like someone's training camp or whatever. But to my knowledge, no, no fighter gave another fighter COVID at a UFC facility. It was always caught at camp. Right. And because UFC was like testing super extensively. So if like if an individual like member of a, a fighter's camp was being unsafe and got COVID and whatever, they could not get into UFC facilities without passing a test. As soon as one of them, anybody near the guy who was training felt negative, the entire fight got shut down. That kind of like handful of fights got shut down that way. So then there was no like there was no transmission at UFC events. Not to say that right. no UFC people got it, but it was like which they're doing, they did that they're apparently running that kind of formula with the hockey players is they're like, but who knows what the schedule is going to look like if suddenly someone tests positive and then the entire team needs to shut down for two weeks and shuffle things around. And I mean, that'll be crazy. I mean, like I said, they're making a go of it with football. Like <laughs> making a go of it is the right term. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, we'll see sports coming back, I guess. Uh, it it being winter and there's no sports center is weird. Yeah, I was so happy that the World Juniors started up again. I was watching them last night. I was like, hockey! <laughs> like, yeah, like December and December holidays, no hockey was so weird. Because usually you have NHL games all the way up to the 25th and you have the World Juniors. And if you're like, oh, feeling like generous, there's the Spengler, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, there's usually like multiple hockey events happening over the holidays and then new year's day always has the winter classic and stuff like there's there's always just hockey happening and and also there's usually the nba is going on and, and everything else and there's just nothing but nba is starting and nhl is starting both around the same time or nba is a little sooner nba has started okay so one of their is christmas day basketball so they're, mm-hmm. they're playing. Neat. Yeah, I don't even know what movies. Hang on, I'm gonna pull this up. What movies are supposed to come out in 2021, you guys? Do you have any? I don't. I don't even know. Nope. Do I? Upcoming 2021 movies. I'm not gonna like dig too deep into it. Oh yeah, I guess Suicide Squad. Yep. Is coming out. Uh, Black Widow is getting her movie. Oh yeah. The Matrix sequel is coming out, you guys. With Keanu. Matrix Four. With Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss, yeah, cool. Is it though? Maybe, Could, maybe. Will <laughs> be coming out. Cool. Um, Morbius is finally getting his own film. Yep, I know we've all been right. chomping at the bit for Jared Leto to star as Morbius. Well, they're building the Sinister Six now, right? Yeah. Um. They they said they're they announced they're bringing Alfred Molina back as Doctor Octopus, mm-hmm. which is cool. He's the best part of that Spider Man franchise. Sure, At this side of J Jonah Jameson. Uh, the Eternals. That's, sure that's going to be no good. <laughs> uh, Shang Chi and uh, the Legend of the Ten Rings also is going to be very questionable. That's a movie that should have come out in the seventies. <laughs> Who's involved with it? Like, okay. I don't recognize Aquafina's in it. Simu Liu is in it. Um, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Have they figured out where Venom fits in the universe yet, though? 
He belongs to Sony. <laughs> right. But does he get to but to get the, does he get to live in special crossover world? Like Spider-Man? Uh, does Spider-Man? Yeah, they, that was that was at the end of all of that. Spider-Man is still going to have some kind of a an existence in the thing. <laughs> like sure. but it's a well right, but that's it. But I, but I I but it from what I understand of reading in all of it, Spider-Man can still show up in the MCU. But I'm pretty sure the Sinister Six is still just going to be in Sony. Like, and we'll see, I guess, how the rest of it happens. So, like, Spider-Man will only, like, which is not necessarily, like, people were like, how's that even going to work? And I was like, that's kind of how it is in the comics. Like, Spider-Man sometimes shows up to the Avengers, and it's not always, like, his entire, uh, like, rogues gallery shows up with him. You know, like, it's kind of, that's okay that he has, like, it's the same actor and it's the same Spider-Man. And you're just sort of like, yeah, when Spider-Man, like... How many comics do you read when you're reading a Spider-Man comic? Especially, I find in Marvel when you're reading the actual comics, of how many like how many superheroes are based out of New York City in Marvel? And like, yeah, they cross over, but like only when it's convenient to the story. You know, like right. it's not like the Fantastic Four show up every time Doctor Octopus is doing something. Whereas, like realistically, they kind of should. Like if they're on Earth, <laughs> like they should maybe be like, "Hey, stop smashing through the city, Doctor Octopus." We have the Baxter building is right there. Please don't wreck it. But like, you know, they don't unless the powers that be say this is a crossover, right? Like, so I feel that we're just used to that. The big shared universe and everybody showing up in cameos all over the place in the MCU that if it doesn't sometimes and sometimes it does, I think that's kind of fine. There was one great time in the 80s where something affected all of New York City, but it wasn't a crossover. So in Thor comics, um, Malkith found the cask of ancient winters and opened it up and it became winter in like August in New York city. Okay. Cool. All of the other comic books that came out, uh, for those two months just had it snowing outside. If they were in New York, yeah. they're like, that's weird. I don't know what's going on. And then went on with their adventures. They're like, I'm not going to try to figure this out. I don't know what what's causing this this is not my problem i have other stuff to deal with that's <laughs> that fine. there's oh um <clears throat> there's a, a bunch of movies got pushed obviously to 2021 i guess that are happening uh ghostbusters afterlife maybe we'll see how well, i mean it's supposed to come out in march 2021 um, like it might be good i don't know it's true is it, is it with the female cast no no. It's a sequel to the original franchise unrelated to the all-female reboot. Huh. So the, it's starring Finn Wolfhard. You know. Okay. Stranger Things. Stranger Things, kid. No, no, I know who he is. Yeah, yep. uh, yeah exactly. It's him and uh, Paul Rudd is also in it. Okay. So, I'm on board. Mo- this sounds good. Yeah, that's it. It's like uh, it's like basically kids like kids stumble across like a, a a barnyard in the middle of nowhere that has the Ghostbusters old gear in it, and ghosts ensue. Uh, coming to America, the number two. Man, that trailer looked funny. It, like like it. Sadly, yes, it did. <laughs> like you were just sort of like you're like really this is just some rehash, and you're like oh it's pretty funny. <laughs> I feel like Eddie Murphy is gonna benefit from doing a movie with Arsenio Hall being like, Hey, you know what? Maybe we should tell jokes instead of just having it up for the camera and saying, that's funny. Yeah. And Wesley Snipes is in it. (laughs) 
<laughs> What's the size <laughs> and James Earl Jones? Yep. Oh man. <clears throat> Masters of the Universe, guys. On Netflix? Yeah. Like an animated uh, series? Yeah, that's good. The Shira stuff was really good. So hmm. So apparently in March of twenty twenty one, I mean I, I can't imagine like okay, this can't still be happening, but supposedly March twenty one. Uh, a new Jackass movie's coming out. God. <laughs> Are they on the booze again? No, like, I hope not. Like, they're all in rehab and stuff. There was a hilarious, I saw a hilarious meme kicking around of, like, it was, uh, it's Bam and Steve-O, like, just, like, a picture or whatever, and, like, someone captured it, and they were just sort of like, like, hi, I'm Bam and Steve-O, and this is us eating some hot chicken wings and finding out who gets acid reflux. <laughs> 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 Pretty much. Uh, They're all 40. What are they going to do? It's so weird. Some of them are 50. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Yeah, I don't know. There's uh, another Kingsman thing. The King's Man, which I believe is the the prequel to the whole Kingsman series. Uh, first one was clever. Second one was awful. Second one was very bad. Uh, Untitled Paranormal Activity movie, baby. <laughs> I hope that's the title. <laughs> it just stays that way. Also, <laughs> it's not just unchar- Untitled Paranormal Activity Movie. It's Untitled Paranormal Activity Movie, baby. Listen, if you're going to see this, you're going to see it. <laughs> it's going to change your mind. Exactly. Way. Oh, man. And, uh, and I guess... I don't want to go through every movie that's coming out in 2021, but uh, F9 is coming out, everybody, where finally John Cena joins the Fastverse. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Not going to lie. That's, that's going to be fun. The best. Uh, I guess this was... Uh, does anyone have any, any anything else they want to wrap up? I think this was 2020. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Stay inside. Let's try to make the as as small amounts of twenty twenty one like twenty twenty as possible. You've got your earbuds in. You're not that far from a sink. Just go wash your hands now. Just wash your hands right now. If you think when was the last time I washed my hands, wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh bye everyone. We'll see you in twenty twenty one for more pop culture and video game movie television nonsense. We love you. Happy New Year. Five, four, three. Listen, man, we all know that you pressed stop on your podcast player like 30 seconds ago as soon as you heard the outro music. And the only reason you're possibly listening to this is because you're like jogging or something and your phone is in your pocket and you can't stop me from talking. Uh, I'll keep this short and sweet. Uh, We put in a lot of work on this website. Uh, If you do want to support us financially, we're kind of reworking the whole structure over there, but if you do want to support us financially, you can head to patreon.com slash 9to5cc. And if you don't want to support us financially, maybe you could just tell your friends about the show. And if you don't want to support us at all, I don't even know how you're possibly listening to this at the end of that episode. Bye. 905.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.